everyone, welcome to About a Business Podcast. I am your host, Christian, and our guest today is Rhonda Mandaza. She is a widely talented advisor and esteemed leader in the world of African arts. Originally from Harare, Zimbabwe, Rhonda has sought to preserve, protect, and promote Africans' own talents and artistic productions, dedicating much of her time toward advancing programs focused on the empowerment of women and community development. She currently juggles a wide range of talents, including but not limited to her role as an administrative assistant to the Consul General of the State of African Diaspora, as the founder and director of several nonprofits centered around the arts, and as a general manager of iBoard Africa in Zambia, South Africa, and Zimbabwe. Primarily, I come from the media and entertainment background. But managing projects at a continental level is uh, part of why um, when iBoard Africa was established back in 2014, I'm in partnership with my two nephews. And um, the nephew who initiated uh, was working with the interactive technology. And he said to me, we need to do this um, out of Zimbabwe for the rest of Africa. And it was more because they wanted to tap into my communication skills, my project management, because I'm not an IT person. I've had to start learning fast. So um, we set up in, uh, in Zimbabwe in 2014, and our mandate was really to introduce interactive technology to the whole of Africa. Um, at the time when we set up, Interactive technology had not yet even been introduced in Zimbabwe. I mean, we all, you know, right now with the fourth industrial revolution, people are beginning to realize that, especially in Southern Africa, we are way behind when it comes to technology. And that as much as we may have the IT skills, we are so far. Um, So the current business, you know, this is our eighth year counting we're still standing uh the reality is though you know uh, for example zimbabwe's economy is is really in a bad space and uh we've had to go through a learning process of finding the right supply partners so most of the technology that we deal with is imported out of china when you talk about interactive technology, you're talking about cell phones? No, we're talking about interactive flat panels, which are primarily for targeted for the education sector, corporate sector. So basically, imagine a really huge uh, television screen that is interactive. You can touch it like a tablet or a cell phone. And basically, uh, our, pa- our primary target market was education because... In the UK, where, where where my nephew was working on it, mm-hmm. they were doing interactive technology in the schools, in universities. So, for example, in huge universities, an interactive screen allows uh, students outside of the UK to participate because it works with Wi-Fi. Now that we have Zoom and Skype and all of that, people, students who couldn't afford to come to be on campus 
still apply and do their courses online. Yeah, especially so, now with COVID, a lot of schools are doing like online learning, absolutely. Like education. Absolutely. And do you think the internet in Zimbabwe is like you have a strong enough internet to be able to afford this kind of interaction, like online education? Actually, yes. You know, in fact, it's it's gone from strength to strength. But most certainly, we have very solid internet service providers. Um, and, you know, um, uh, on that level, we, we're pretty much pretty organized, both mobile data, Wi-Fi, everything is easily accessible. Yes, in some cases, there's issues of affordability, but, you know, social media has become such an addiction to, to society that everybody finds their way sure they have their their internet so uh as far as the interactive uh flat panels go you know we introduced them from 55 inch to 65 inch 75 86 and whatnot and what we found in zimbabwe is that while we were targeting education it was more the corporate center because sector that was uh buying into them and i think it was a case of affordability i think the schools at the time when we first started we had a supply partner who was really doing some crazy things in terms of their markup so we were buying he was like a middleman between us and the manufacturer so he was buying at his price and when we discovered like two years into the partnership that he was putting a markup of almost 300 percent with wow. you know yeah so we, we've come a long way and now we found the kind of supply partner where we've brought our prices to a stage where they're more affordable. And with COVID, we really hoped that this is the time where we should be shining. But then there are challenges because we are a small business and given where we started, there was no real capital injection. It was word of mouth. We were pushing the agenda. I'm proud to say we're still standing and doing business. But then the issues come in where you have to import your goods from, from China. They come by sea. They land in Durban in South Africa. Then they have to come by road to Zimbabwe. And with COVID now, our last consignment took almost two months to be to deliver as a small business our strategy was okay uh, uh we call it rinse and repeat where instead of trying to bring in container loads because we can't really afford that and initially our strategy was where we would say to our customers you want to screen pay a deposit which then enables us to pay the supplier then we ship and we found that, you know, people really wanted to see the goods on the ground. People want to take their money out when they can see what they're buying. So we started a process of where if we sold a screen, we would reinvest the money and buy two screens. So with that process, we've tried to make ourselves stronger, but COVID hasn't been kind on shipping, you know, yeah. because of the shipping issues, it's made it very difficult um, to get things here on time. And you you know, right now uh, we have a consignment that's been sitting in China, but because the company, they've had another wave of COVID. So they're all working from home. And ideally, I think where we wanna be, which is probably the best agenda for Africa right now, 
I think is to find our own way. So we're trying to get to the stage where we can set up our, our own assembly plant and assemble the goods here in Africa and then distribute instead of waiting to bring them in from China. It's all about components put together. And I think the, 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 the sooner that we can empower ourselves as Africa to be able to assemble and then export the better for us, you know, yeah. the current wave is that Africa needs to break its dependence on the bigger powers and find its own strength. So that's what we're pushing for. iBoard Africa supplies schools, government and businesses with interactive technology solutions. The iBoard is a low powered 1080p point multi-touch and anti-glare LED screen with an integrated PC. With its impressive touch screen, the device can serve as classroom digital boards, boardroom presentation screens, notice boards, or information center boards. Introduced in Zimbabwe in 2014, iBoard Africa is also present in Zambia, South Africa, and is on its way to set roots in Southern Africa than the rest of Africa. Awesome. And um, do you have like a success story of a school that bought your product and improved their learning curve? Like, do you have like a story that you can tell your potential investors to see this is what we brought up to this school and this is how they improved? Absolutely. We have a couple of schools, actually. Um, there was one school who... Fortunately for us, they had, they came from the UK where they understood interactive technology. They were really excited to find us here on we That's the kind of backup we do provide. When we sell to a customer, we offer the training for the teachers. When we first got established, we started, we had special sessions for training the teachers because a lot of teachers were used to the chalkboard and, and technology was really intimidating. But after two, three lessons, they loved it. And uh, the really exciting thing is uh, the schools that did invest in the screens definitely came back and reported the learning and the improvement because it was, you know, with our screens, you could, the, the lessons became interactive in that as long as they had a good Wi-Fi signal, teachers could annotate, they could go onto the web and bring in videos. And because the screens are multitask, multi-touch for up to 10 people, you could get students involved. So it definitely made for, for better learning. And we have some interesting case studies of that. Oh, good. It definitely, it definitely improves. And with the way the world is going, and you know, the truth be told, it's the younger generation that are more techno savvy than any of us are. And so within the schools where they've invested in this um, technology, they are really moving leaps and bounds ahead. Yeah, the students are a little bit more advanced with technology yes. than compared yes. to other schools. Yes. And also business-wise, you, are you guys thinking about maybe providing support, ongoing support to those schools, monthly maintenance? So if something breaks, if one of the tablet malfunctions, do you offer support, like repair support to those schools? If so, um, how do you um, charge the schools? Is it like on a monthly basis or is it just like as 
um, per hopper basis? If you hopper something, they pay you, or is it like they they retain you on a monthly basis to be available when something breaks? Okay, so in the first instance, when we supply, we we offer all those who buy a three-year warranty on the product. We are we are making them invest in first-tier manufacturing standards, and so. The warranty on most of our screens is up to 30,000 hours before anything goes wrong. We've had very few cases. Uh, and basically what happens in terms of maintenance and support, we found that the troubleshooting is either because they've refused to be trained, so they don't understand the technology, and they will do things like switch on and off. But where there are issues, because there's a within that warranty period, we don't charge them anything, we go in, we isolate what the problem is. If the problem is on our end and the screen needs to be replaced, we do so. If the problem is on their end, we try to troubleshoot and see how to fix it. But we've had very few of those. I was talking to one of my friends and I was um, here in the US and I was asking her, why are people always jump skipping Africa and hiring people in China, in the Philippines, when they want to find an assistant or somebody to help them with their social media, they hire people in the Philippines where we have people in Africa that are available to work. But the issue with Africa is that we don't have access. Many are not trained in the technology. Internet is not as accessible as it is, like let's say in Asia. If everybody knew how to use computers, knew how to um, perform those tasks that we pay people in Asia to do, I think Africa will be better off. And I think what you are doing is a step toward that. And you know, if I may just say, you know, I think sometimes the, the other sad thing is that people tend to, they don't put the spotlight on the success stories, because let me tell you, a lot of uh, IT techno savvy people within Africa, yes, some countries are not that advanced. But like here in Zimbabwe, for example, we have the Harare Institute of Technology. There is amazing work coming out of there. No one shines a spotlight on it. There are internet service providers that are introducing the most amazing. There's a lot of techno technical companies that are providing laptops. Look, a lot of our schools became um, uh, internet driven about a decade ago already, you know, um, even our former president were before he left was already providing schools with laptops and desktops and whatnot. It's a slow process. And I think that, you know, you are right when you say that, um, Africa is still considered backward and any of our successes are not really, they're not really promoted. We don't make enough noise about it. Exactly. But that's going to change. We're going to change that story. Yes, yes. <laughs> Platforms like this is yeah. really amazing. The Republic of Zimbabwe is a landlocked country located in Southeast Africa between the Limpopo rivers and the Zambezi, bordered by South Africa to the south, Bustawa to the southwest, Zambia to the north, and Mozambique to the east. The country is commonly known for its history of out of control
stronghold inflation. Been a clean at 500 billion percent in the year 2009. Between the year 2000 and December 2007, the national economy declined as much as 40 percent. In the year 2021, however, the economy has rebounded, driven by the recovery of agriculture, relative exchange rates, and stabilization of prices. GDP is predicted to have grown by 5.8% in the year 2021 alone. Given the country's solid education base and ample and abundant natural resources, Zimbabwe has the ability and the potential to figure among the country's leading growth in sub-Saharan Africa. Zimbabwe was also ranked 113th number in the Global Innovation Index in the year 2021. My platform is mainly business focused and I want to know whilst, when starting your business, what do you think was the most difficult aspect of starting your business and um, what made you keep going? Think about the beginnings of your business yes, venture. Yes, when we started, it was actually, uh, it was really nice from the beginning because uh, my nephew was already in the IT space in the UK. And so he had a partner who wanted, everybody wants Africa, right? Yes. So he had a partner who wanted to come to Africa. Mm-hmm. And so at the very beginning, we were loaded with product. Uh, him and his partner brought in, it was first one container load of 40 foot. Next thing, there were two more container loads, but the pricing was wrong. And and of course, what happened is, um, you know, sometimes if you don't understand the, 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 the playground that you're on. This guy assumed that, okay, I'm going to send all these containers and I'm, these things are going to fly off the shelf. And that was, you know, 2015, when our economy was now starting to do a nosedive. And so if you imagine um, the price of an interactive screen, our smallest one then, according to our supply partner's price, was like $5,000. Now, eight years later, that same screen, we are marketing at one and a half thousand because that is the reality. But the problem was, while we started smooth, the minute the supply partner realized, and this was our challenge, not having our own capital to be able to buy direct and start. We have a supply partner who puts us under conditions and those conditions are we are expected to sell and remit but we're not selling fast enough because the economy is not gravitating towards our prices and uh so he decided to just cut us off and that's when the reality set in because we said okay fine take your product back fortunately for us at the time we had stock and you know being a sovereign state he really had no way of just coming in and demanding because we had now reached the stage for affordability. We were allowing people to pay deposits and pay terms because we didn't want to sit with the product. It was better to give it out and let them use it. Of course, those were the the disagreements and those were the challenges of not having our own capital to just invest and, and do our own thing. And what kept us going is because we had the stock and because we had started, with such a bang, 
we said hell no are we giving up not now and so we kept going so we eventually got rid of all that stock that was on the ground we literally cut our prices so that we could stay afloat and through our our partner in the uk he was now able to find different manufacturing partners who were able to bring the prices down and that's how we've kept going you know i think we just made a commitment to ourselves that you know what we're not going to stop yeah uh there's been times it's not easy there's been times i can tell you during the two years of covid we didn't know what to do mm-hmm. because we had no stock uh the stock that we did have people didn't really have the money because most businesses were shutting down and um you know so you kind of sit back and you think do we really want to carry on you wake up in the morning and you think uh-uh uh-uh yeah, we're challenging for businesses all over yeah and yeah. i think that's what it's about you just have to keep going a friend of mine shared with me something the other day uh she said a bottle of coca-cola and said when coca-cola started i think in their first month they sold five bottles where they are to now so it makes you realize that we got to keep going yeah so we've just said you know we still want to get to the stage where we have the money to mm-hmm. be able to buy our own container and bring it in. Have you ever been to China to see your manufacturer and see um, kind of customize your product yourself? You know, I know a lot of people travel to China and s- to see the product in person. Yes. Have you ever yes. thought about doing that? Well, you see, this is where our supply partner, I we we had planned to do that pre-COVID, but our supply partner uh, is who is the interface Mm-hmm. um in the in the UK has traveled to many of these exhibitions because he's been in the interactive technology space now for almost 20 years so right now he has been to China he knows who all the right suppliers are he drives a hard bargain right now our our, our position is uh that we're busy discussing with our current supply partner who want to give us exclusive because this is the reality China wants Africa. They want to come in. Yeah. But we have to be smart about that. I and agree. basically saying to them, "Okay, no problem. But you come in, you set up warehousing, you set up assembly, you come and you train our people. We stay in partnership until our people are trained, and then you must go. Then you must go. You've made your money, and now it's our time." That's where we're at right now, you know. You have to recognize that that's where it is, and we have to be smart enough um as long as we don't allow them to take ownership of us the relationship of supply and distribution exactly and so, business relationship. Uh, yeah so that's where we're at right now I like that you have a partner that has a lot of background in this domain and he lives in the UK you said he was yes, he's in the, the in fact, he's the brains behind iboard africa it was because of him we started and and at the time when he realized it he was like I've just realized that we have no presence in Africa and and for sure there have been many who have come but none that have the same product as we do. They've come in and they've they've come in on a, at a cheaper price. We've had people who've come to us and said, "You know what? We went and tried these people and there was no backup, there was no support, no warranty. The board has broken down. We spent our money, we back to you." So we know that our product is tried and tested and it's because of him. He shops around, he he gets involved in the actual product and the design of it. 
Like we supply one of the biggest platinum mines in Zimbabwe. They buy the hugest screens. And I mean, they've bought huge amounts. And um, he has designed it so that their software and what they need on the mine works for us. So at that level, our brand is slowly, slowly, but surely. It's a good thing that he chose you because it looks like you are the white person. You were the white person for this task. You have a background in entertainment. So you know how to market, you know how to advertise, you know how to draw people in. Can you talk exactly. a little bit about your entertainment? background you used to be a musician was it a musician and or an actor a uh, musician and actor I, i started out as a musician in the 70s when i left school there was no money there then i went behind the scenes and started producing and promoting and putting big events together that led me into the film industry where i got heavily involved in promoting african cinema mm -hmm. a lot of those things i still do i'm still very active i'm telling you marketing of. is where it is. if you know how to market you can get into any business you want because Absolutely. you just need to market it and then hire somebody who knows about the business who knows about the industry all you have to Absolutely. do is market 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 yeah Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think that's why my nephew, I was living in South Africa at the time. And he said, listen, um, you need to go back home. And I said, why don't we do it? He said, no, no, no. It has to be set up at home. So that's the reason I came back home was to set up Ibod Africa. And yeah, it's been, it hasn't been an easy journey. I'm happy we're still standing through it all. What else did you want to share with us about your project, the future of your business, of your enterprise? Yeah, so, you know, primarily, uh, you know, uh, I saw this as an opportunity to introduce iBoard Africa to other people um, and, and primarily, hopefully, get interest within Africa because that's where the, our market is. I was hoping that we could uh, get some interest within Africa. I know we've sent some of our screens to Nigeria. Um, I know that there's a, a few more African countries who could certainly benefit from this technology. And I'm hoping that through this platform, there will be some interest within Africa where people will say, hey, we'd like to see some eyeballs on in, in this part of Africa. Mm -hmm. And then we can help get that started and create collaborations and put them in touch with suppliers and let them set up in such a way that um, they can also stand alone. Would you also serve as like a wholesaler? Because I know a lot of business owners in Africa and if they get interested in this, it would be like as a reseller. So they will buy from you and resell it themselves. Do you Perfect. think you can be like a good wholesaler? Is it going to be more beneficial for them to buy from you or to buy from, let's, let's say, China? So it's going to be beneficial for them to buy from us. So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Our supply partner is the one who gets the best deal for us in China. And so therefore, the way he's dealing with us mm -hmm. is the way he would deal with anyone else. So he would facilitate the, the supply and delivery to those countries, but they would get it at a wholesale price so that they can resell. And you know, when you think of the, the Africa free trade area agreements, there's a lot of bodies now that have come together to make Africa start working together because only when we start doing that will we break the dependency on the bigger powers. 
Thank you for listening to About a Business Podcast. For more episodes like this, subscribe and leave us a pleasant review on Apple Podcasts. Also, please take 10 seconds to share this episode with your friends. And me, I will catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.